Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Southside Beat here on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Steelers YouTube channel. Uh, my name is Chris Halleck. Corey Christen is currently working on the Southside, and uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know if he's going to be joining today. Um, there is obviously a lot of work to do, uh, as there typically is on a Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, you know, these are the the heaviest lift, heaviest lifting days of the week uh, in terms of like beat work and and reporting and stuff like that. Uh, obviously, quarterbacks talk on Wednesdays, um, coordinators talk Thursdays, and then obviously, you know, in terms of you know the amount of stuff you have to cover, especially after practice. Then when you also add in the fact that the indoor facility is being used for something else today, um, that makes it even more difficult. So I don't know if Corey's joining me, to be completely honest. So we're going to hold down the fort. Uh, If we end up doing this, you know, just us today, then so be it. Let's have some fun with it. And uh, I'm actually kind of glad that I titled today's episode what I did with not just quarterback talk, because that opens up in case Corey doesn't join us today to talk a little bit more freely about anything else other than quarterbacks. Now we can continue to talk about quarterbacks. Um, and uh, I'm perfectly fine with that. Uh, I am kind of talked out when it comes to that kind of stuff, because it's very apparent that it is becoming very team Mason versus team Kenny. And I am on neither team. Uh, I'm pretty much saying what I think of each guy and what I think the situations are with what, whatever you, <laughs> with whatever Mike Tomlin chooses to do uh, and what the fallout is from each, either one of those decisions. Um, and anything that I say there is either construed as being a Kenny hater or a Mason hater. I'm getting kind of sick of it. So I'm perfectly fine to continue talking about it if you have questions about it, but I'm also free to talk about other things. Um Matt asks, what's going on with Minka? That's honestly going to be a better question for Corey. If he doesn't join today, I would always, always recommend to check out the Steelers feed uh, later this afternoon uh, when the injury report comes out. Uh, just keep updating it. Treat it as your 
if you're on social media, treat it as your Steelers social media need, because that is pretty much what what it's there for is to be there. Uh, you'll get an alert from it as soon as the injury report drops. Um, so what's going on with Minka? Um, I, I believe yesterday he was a DNP, did not practice. I think the only two uh, players that practiced in any capacity on the injury report were Kenny and um, uh, Trenton Thompson. So, uh, and I wouldn't expect uh, Minka to practice at the early stages of the week. Um, so I, I uh, yeah, if Minka is going to play Sunday, it'll probably come with some sort of limited participation today or tomorrow. If he doesn't practice at all, he's not going to play. I, I, I would, I would very, very much uh, be, uh, I'd be shocked if he was a DNP all week and then ended up playing Sunday or even had any kind of injury designation other than out uh, come Friday afternoon. Um, the only way that I think that would happen is if it's just because they're that desperate for him to play and they got two games left and they are fighting for their playoff lives right now. Uh, Rick asks, what's the situation on the inside linebacker? They just signed Jalen Smith. Uh, I mean, he was a former pro bowler was really good for the Cowboys. Obviously is not there now. Um, and, I would say that he's not in position to play right away because you know he's got to, he's got to learn the rule book or the rule book playbook. <laughs> um, he's got to learn the playbook. <clears throat> he's got to learn the system a bit. However, with the way linebackers are dropping like flies on the south side, um, it might not be completely out of the question. But I think right now what they're going to do is they're going to really lean on Miles Jack, Blake Martinez, Michael Walker, Mark Robinson. That. Um, that foursome right there. Uh, I think Jalen's, I mean, he, he was signed to the practice squad, so it's not like if if he is going to get a hat on Sunday, he'd have to be elevated from the practice squad on Saturday. So I don't think that's going to be, I don't think you're going to see him actually dress on Sunday. Um, but I'm not going to rule out anything for week 18 because I, there might be another linebacker who gets hurt on Sunday, just the way that this is going. Um, Freeman says, you know, keep doubting Mason. It might help him keep his newfound spark alive. I'm not doubting Mason. And there's been some people who have commented on the, on the, on the videos. And I'm not saying you are Freeman. I, I'm just saying in general, there have been some people who have commented on our videos the past couple of days saying that, you know, how can you, yeah, pretty much anything negative that I said about Mason that it, that I wasn't anointing him as some, like he should be the starter next year. I'm like, I'm not saying he can't be. I'm just saying, let's just pump the brakes a little bit. Okay. That was his first start since 2021. It was against a very, very bad defense, giving up the most yards per play in the league. And there to compound that even more, they just lost their best interior defender. And DJ Reader, they were without. They've been without their leading interceptor in uh, Taylor Britt at corner. They they are. It's a bad defense, and what Mason did wasn't some sort of Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts type miracle work. He played competent quarterback play. That was good enough for the Steelers to put up that kind of performance. 
and it might be good enough to have them play better. And I want to get a second. I personally would like, I'm very, very curious to see what Mason would do if he starts against Seattle, because I want to see what he does in a completely different environment against an opponent. He doesn't know very much again on the road in a hostile environment. That's also playing for their own playoff lives. Very, very different situation. And if Mason performs like that again, I'm even more intrigued. What can he do against Baltimore if Baltimore is still fighting for for the number one seed? What happens if they happen to clinch a playoff berth or even gets them to win a game in the playoffs? I'm very, very curious. Um, I'm just saying, like, it was one game. Now, people are talking about, well, he's played plenty. He played, okay, in 2019, he couldn't keep his job against Devlin Hodges. That is, like... Let's not forget what has happened in the past, okay? I'm not saying that Mason's a bad quarterback. and I'm even going as far as to say Mitch now is now a very, very distant third, based, especially based off of like the whatever you've done for me lately. I'm just saying, I, and I think that if Mason goes out there and plays solidly again, I'm very, very much saying that he should be the backup, like legitimately, like floor, the backup next year. And that's a good backup to have to rely on. Um, and John Davis says, you know, Mason's arm is way stronger, way better and stronger than Pickett. He's got a, he, the arm talent has always been there. It's always been there. Uh, Blake saying, dude, he's better than Kenny. I, I'm again, this is not, I am not making, I'm, I'm going to continue. I'm going to continue to, to, to drive this into the ground. I am not Team Mason or Team Kenny. That is not what I'm doing, okay? I'm not doing that. I'm not playing that game. John, I'm, I'm, I'm all over the place with this. No, the, see, the thing is I'm not. I'm not all over the place with it. In today's day and age, if you say something, it's taken to an extreme, and you've got to be like you're either all the way over here or you're all the way over here. And believe it or not, and – not that I'm going to talk politics on here, but I'm not. I'm very, very much a moderate politically. I am not over here, and I'm not over here. I'm very, very much in here, okay? That's just how I am personally. I'm not going to be taking sides on this. There are things I like about Mason. There are things I really liked about that he put on the film. I love the fact that he did something that we have not seen over the past two seasons, and that is standing tall in the pocket, making throws from the pocket, not getting flustered, not getting your eyes, not not keep, you know, getting your eyes down when the rush is coming at you and the pocket starting to collapse. That I have sorely missed watching competent quarterback play from the pocket because Kenny hasn't provided it consistently, and Mitch hasn't provided it consistently either. I am giving Mason all of that credit. He deserves that credit. And Cincinnati, if for as bad as their defense is, can get after the quarterback. Okay. Um, I am very, very much giving Mason credit for that. I'm just not going to anoint him so quickly to say, oh, yeah, based, based off of one game, th- yep, he's going to be the starter now. That is the very, very definition of an e-jerk reaction. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a 
happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. And guess who's joining us right now? I'm saved, Corey. Thank you. This is in the dark as in the dark gets right here. Let me tell you what. (laughs) We'll take it today. We will take it today. Hello, everybody. Oh, we're boarding. There we is. can we can now shift uh, shift gears. Um, I wasn't just going to talk quarterbacks today, but that uh, has obviously come up again. It's going to be continuing to come up, um, and and that's fine. Uh, you know, well, and that's the thing is like you know just trying to kind of you know put it all out there that like like listen, we're not here to take at least for me, I'm not here to take to to take a a place on Team Mason or Team Kenny. Not doing that. Uh, but this is a good uh, opportunity to, to shift gears. Uh, Dark Corey uh, is uh, coming at us uh, here. Um, <laughs> it's like, are you afraid of? The he's going to be. He's going to be telling us spooky stories from the south side today. Apparently. Yeah, that's, um, that's kind of what's happening right now, right? But uh, yeah, oh, Pittsburgh man. Toddy asks oh, God, Corey, "Have you Corey has turned to the dark side?" Like. This, this team will make you do a lot of different things. Let me tell you that. Oh boy. Yeah. That and social media. It's it just, it's for me, it's just, it's gone to the point now where I'm seeing people who have actually prided themselves on being pretty unbiased and a lot of different mm-hmm. things and actually done a pretty good job of it. Not just saying it and then doing it are now obviously taking sides. Now that there's a legitimate quarterback controversy here. Um, uh, William Chris yeah. is being mean to I, everyone. Yeah, apparently I am. No, I, I, <laughs> I think that's a little tongue in cheek, but no, but like there are some people that I've seen that have like, now that there's a legitimate quarterback controversy, their, their colors are like really, really showing. And I'm not saying it's anybody here. I'm actually talking about something that I saw somewhere else. Um, but it's just like, they are like really, really reaching to kind of take a shot at the other one. And it's just like, dude, like this is, this is getting ridiculous. Like I, like I get it. I understand, you know, like both sides of it. I really do. Um, yeah, no, it's doing good. my best Bray Wyatt entrance there. All right, yeah, all right, Corey. So, lots of stuff happened on the south side today. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the coordinators talked. Not just the coordinators, but both guys, both guys in charge of the offense talked today. Both Eddie Faulkner and Mike Sullivan talked today. Not the Penguins coach. Uh, he talked mm-hmm. last night when Chris Letang uh, made NHL history. Um, that was pretty cool to watch. But, uh, um. Give us a little bit of insight on on what happened there. Uh, what they said, obviously, Kenny versus Mason is is going to be coming up. Is going to be a topic. But uh, what all happened uh, this morning here on the South Side? Yeah, to wrap up the quarterback um, angle here, like it's a controversy because of the like damning nature this is to Kenny Pickett. The controversy in and of itself is not who's going to start Sunday. That's not what this is referring to. This is yeah. referring to the the now whirlwind of stuff that is swirling around Kenny Pickett as a first-round pick and as a guy that, if he's healthy, they're going to pick Mason Rudolph over him on Sunday. That's what the controversy, so yeah. to speak, is to clear that up. Yep. Um, so being that Eddie Faulkner, Terrell Austin, and um, Blair Witch Corey, yeah, what movie am I currently in right now? There you go. <laughs> so being that, being that Eddie Faulkner, Mike Sullivan, and Terrell Austin all spoke at the same time over here, um, I am not a clone of myself. I cannot clone myself. So I had to, you know, spend a little time here, a little time there, a little time there, kind of pinball around. Yeah. Um, you'll read it later on DKPittsburghSports.com. My focus was getting Terrell Austin's perspective on Miles Jack um, because this is a guy that obviously knows the defense very well, and he played very well in the limited action that he got 
Um, and he had to come in off of an injury. Again, a Landon Roberts. Cam Hayward said today, it's musical chairs, that inside mm-hmm. linebacker's room. Miles Jack is going to be the seventh starter at that position. So you'll read more about that uh, on DKPittsburghSports.com. But basically what was talked about when it comes to the quarterbacks is, is pretty much what's already been said. And that's like Mason played his way into another opportunity. And that's the big takeaway yeah. is that Mason played his way into, you know, uh, Mike Sullivan said it. You know, he played into what they think. Yeah, flashlight, Corey, it literally is a flashlight, my phone hitting on my face. Eddie Faulkner, or uh, Mike Sullivan said it out loud. Like, Mason is setting them up for what they think is going to be a great game on Sunday. They think that Mason gives themselves the best chance to win. And look, whether Kenny's fully healthy or not, okay, it's going to be Mason regardless. So I think the consensus of what was talked about between Eddie Faulkner and Mike Sullivan was that, Mason played his way into this opportunity and played his way into becoming the starting quarterback, which kind of confirms everything that we speculated anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and and look, the, the limited time that I spent over at Terrell Austin, if we want to breach into that too, um, obviously talking about Miles, Miles Jack, excuse me, about Patrick Peterson moving to safety and how big of a factor that is for this defense and, and getting him some snaps back there, kind of keeping him fresh. By the way, secretly, since like week five, Pat P has had a really good season. Yeah. So some he, talk he, about that. Yeah, he's he's done much much better since uh, since uh, moving more inside and having more of a more of a role inside. And obviously, Joey Porter Jr.'s performance uh, has uh, allowed that to happen. You know, it's it's allowed uh, Peterson to be more uh, more versatile. And you know, notice that it wasn't a full on. He's playing outside, and now he's just fully playing inside. It's been kind of gradual. It's been, you know, and I think that's always the best way to do things. You know, regardless of how smart he is and how much football experience he has, you know, just kind of slowly making that transition over um, has then made him, you know, brought it to the point where he has now actually become like an and started a game at safety, mainly because the Steelers had to have it. I don't necessarily think that happens if if the if Demonte Casey's not suspended and Keanu Neal's healthy and Minka Fitzpatrick's healthy. I don't think necessarily that happens, but out of necessity, they've needed Patrick Peterson to be able to do that. And kudos to him for embracing that and being able to do that because uh, that really does kind of help soften the blow of losing Cam Sutton in free agency a bit, a bit, a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Mike, Sol- back to Mike Sullivan real quick. It, it, yeah. it was uh, there were a lot of cliches thrown around. I'll put it that way from Mike Sullivan. Um, expect the unexpected. Make the most of the opportunities. Take the mental reps and turn those into the physical reps. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and some of that obviously is tailored in game, which, you know, Eddie Faulkner pretty much said, like, you know, we, we took things down a little bit. We took things down a dial for Mason which is expected when you have a guy that's starting on short notice, when you have a guy that's, Hey, by the way, you're going to start, you can't throw the whole playbook at him. You have to find a way to simplify the offense to an extent. And Mason really did execute it. I have to find the exact quote that Eddie Faulkner used to talk about that, but um, it's in our feed on uh, DKPittsburghSports.com right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just, just with a few other nuggets from, you know, what the coordinators had to say, mainly again, um, Eddie Faulkner and Mike Sullivan. Uh, Falker said they skinnied down the plan. That was the phrasing used. Yeah. So they skinnied down the game plan for Mason Rudolph on su- uh, Saturday against the Bengals. Now, I don't know how much you could skinny things down 
when you're in a situation like this going into Seattle. And in fact, when he's making that second start, you can start opening that playbook up a little bit more. So that's going to be a key thing to watch is how much more do we see out of Mason on Sunday? And does he execute it? Yeah, I, I, I'm really interested to, to, to see that. And and there's a comment here from uh, G.A. Ruiz, which, you know, kind of brings things a little bit into a bigger picture. Uh, but, you know, the bigger picture absolutely plays a role here because, again, you know, we talked about it yesterday. This is a potentially franchise-altering decision that they make here. Um, G.A. Ruiz says Mason was uh, initially drafted for the future. He was a project. Maybe his time has come. And, and, and listen, maybe it has. Maybe all of this time, Mason has gathered all of the intelligence he needs. And now we, we we've seen the talent that's there, the arm talent that's there. And now maybe it is time that he can put it all together. And maybe it is. And, and, and like I said, maybe with another good performance this Sunday and possibly another good performance in the finale against Baltimore, he's done enough. And I'll, I'll say it again, just so that people don't understand or so that people don't misconstrue it. That earns him a floor floor of being at least the backup next year at least Mm -hmm. the backup at the floor not talking that's what he should be floor um but Mm -hmm. you know and the reason why i say that is you know when we talk about mason and if he does play really well over these final three games against the Bengals, against the seahawks against the ravens does how does that alter how the steelers approach free agency how they approach their offensive coordinator hire, how they approach the draft, because they're, those are three massive things that affect who your quarterback is going to be next year. Do you just go off of a three-game sample or possibly if they make the playoffs a four-plus game sample and be like, you know what? Screw it. Mason's our quarterback next year. And then how does that affect your offensive coordinator hire? Do you just completely ignore free agency there? and just say, you know what, we're not even going to worry about Kirk Cousins. We're not even going to try to get Russell Wilson. We're just going to stick with Mason and Kenny and let let, let that be it. We're going to ignore uh, the, the the deep quarterback class in the, in the draft. I don't know if you necessarily just go about that that way just based off of a few games. I don't think you do that. This is my opinion as we sit right now. That could totally change. If a miracle happens and Mason Rudolph – leads them to a Super Bowl victory or or at least a conference championship, I I might be singing a completely different tune in late January. Um, You never know. You never know. You just never know. But as we sit right now, I just, I'm just right now, I'm just curious to see if Mason, what Mason does for an encore. That's what I'm curious to see. And what he does with possibly a bigger game plan, different things like that, different environment, different opponent on the road. I'm curious to see what he does with that. Now, that, that's what my rebuttal was going to be, is he did it once, now he has to do it again. And by has to, I mean absolutely needs to do it again. Yeah. And if he comes out in Seattle and lays an egg, then we're right back to where we started last week. We're right back to square one. And look, when we're talking offseason, we're talking about evaluating Kenny Pickett and finding the right offensive coordinator to get the best out of him. I would still think that's the goal for the Steelers in 2024 in the offseason. The offseason, to me, has to be about Kenny Pickett. It still does. This is a first-round quarterback. You have to find out if this is going to be your guy or not. He's still on a rookie deal, and now Mason's going to command a little more money, and you have to get rid of, and you have to likely cut Mitch Trubisky, yeah. and you'll have some dead weight there as far as cap is concerned. So 
this quarterback room is going to undergo, I think, some change in the offseason. But I still think the plan, and I think the plan should be finding a way to get the best out of Kenny Pickett and finding a way to make all of these negative traits that we talk about, right? Rolling into pressure, having happy feet, bailing too soon, um, all of this stuff. There has to be a way to turn that around. There has to be a way to reverse course and to make him improve as a quarterback. I think that that still could be the offseason plan. I, I really don't know if Mason playing well on Sunday would change that. I think it's damning for the short term. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna backtrack anything I said about, you know, this Mason Rudolph playing well is damning for Kenny Pickett big picture because it is. But I think that only complicates the picture around Pickett. I don't think it altogether is going to absolutely torpedo his career by any means. But that's a whole other conversation for for next week, the week after, week week after that, because there's still two games to play and they have to worry about the Seahawks. Tomorrow we'll obviously get into the matchup a lot more. Um, final practices wrap up tomorrow afternoon here on the south side. Uh, tomorrow morning, actually, on the south side. And, you know, it, it's it's that time where this defense has a lot of patchwork pieces. The offense, obviously, is undergoing quarterback changes. So this is a team that they won on on Sunday or Saturday against Cincinnati. But now they get to prove themselves here. How much of it was fluke on Saturday? How was fluke? How fluke was it that they beat a division opponent at home, and they succeed really well in the AFC North? Now they have to figure out an opponent that they're not familiar with. They have to travel literally across the country. They have to find a way to beat Seattle, and this is not a team that is going to lay down lightly for them. No. Um, really quick question here. Um, Lifted ones uh, says can or ask can the Steelers move into a playoff spot this weekend? I believe they can. Um, they need help. I, I th- well, no, they would need they would need help. They would obviously have to win, and then if for whatever reason I don't think it's going to happen, but like the 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 Colts, the Texans, the Jaguars, I don't remember who all the who the Jaguars play this week. Uh, but let's just say like at least two of those teams that were all three of those teams, if they if one of them isn't playing the other, like if they all lose or whatever, then yeah, I think they would move into a playoff spot. Um, but. No matter what, no matter what else happens, the Steelers have to win out. They have to win out. And um, I, there, there's a few other things that have to happen um, you know, or that can potentially happen to get the Steelers into a playoff spot by season's end. Um, Jacksonville losing or tying one of their final two games. The Colts and Texans will – one of those two teams will not win 10 games because they play each other the final week of the season. So even if they were to tie that or obviously one of them wins it, then, you know, either way, one of those teams will not win 10 games. Uh, So that would obviously, if the Steelers won out, put them ahead of that. And so then you have to look for somebody else to lose. Jacksonville loses one of the, or, or ties one of their final two games. If the Bills lose one of their final two games, that would move the Steelers ahead because the Steelers would then have a better conference record if they won out. Um, So there are a few different things that have to play out. Uh, when it comes to that. But in terms of this weekend, I don't think it really matters what would happen after this weekend. The bottom line is the Steelers have to win out. If they don't do that, I believe it's over. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know if they'd be he, mathematically that, eliminated, but the math would be so crazy. I would, I don't think it would be po- like, yeah. <laughs> I believe this is what has to happen in the final two weeks. The Steelers absolutely have to win out. I think Jacksonville has to lose or tie a game in the final two weeks. Mm -hmm. And then both Indianapolis and Houston don't finish with 10 wins. 
Obviously, 10 wins is the max the Steelers could get. Well, no, they can't. But that's the max the Steelers could get. So I think it, it also hinges on Jacksonville. They have to lose one. But bottom line is the Steelers have to win out. So, But if Jacksonville if they, doesn't, if, if Jacksonville doesn't, they win out. But Buffalo loses I think one of their final lose two out. games. Mm-hmm. No, they would have to Jack's lose out. I think lose out. Mm-hmm. Right, we'll we'll, we'll double check see. it for tomorrow. We'll double check but it I know- for tomorrow and have a full breakdown of it for sure. Or I know the Brown. Yeah, the only way the Steelers could leapfrog leapfrog the Browns is if the Browns lost out. Correct. Um, yeah, because then I think the Steelers would then have a better division record than the Browns, yes. which would give them a tiebreaker over the Browns. Um, yep. so I don't anticipate that happening. The Browns are playing really good football right now. So, um, yeah. Um, I just to, to kind of go back to what you're saying when it comes to the because obviously we are going to have plenty of time to talk about the offseason. I don't necessarily agree uh, that if you know that this offseason needs to be about what they need to do to get Kenny. It, to, I, I would not be completely opposed to just completely moving on from Kenny. Com- like if the right sure. situation presented itself. However, that is whether that is and obviously what happens from here through the end of the Steelers final game of the season, whenever that is, whether it's week 18, whether it's the Super Bowl or anything in between, you know, obviously Mason's performance during that time could affect that, too. But what they do with offensive coordinator, then by in turn, what they do with free agency, if for whatever reason, the Steelers to hire a certain OC and he's like, I want to get Kirk Cousins in free agency. That changes everything, you know, or they want to acquire Russell Wilson. That changes everything. Um, Not saying that that's what they should do. And then I think the real big thing here is also that really good quarterback class that's about to, about to come up in, in the draft. I'm not ruling the Steelers out from, trying to get one of those guys, you know, especially oh, if sure. they have, the, if they have the potential to do it, I don't think that they should just be married to let's get the most out of Kenny because shoot, if you are able to draft one of those quarterbacks, you've still got a quarterback on a rookie contract, <laughs> even if you were to move on from Kenny. And if, if anything, you gain two years back because then you have a rookie. So I don't, I'm not married to Kenny Pickett being the guy next year. I'm not married to sure. the idea that, that that's just me. Per, that's, me as I sit here right now, um, he's had enough time to show gradual, gradual, just gradually getting better. And he just has not done that in my eyes from watching the film. It's been very, very plateauish. Um, and, and that to me, I just, there, there are certain things that I think fall on coaching, but it's not all on coaching. And I, I, I think that's an easy scapegoat for 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 Kenny um, is that all oh, well, he plays in a bad system. And yes, he does. He has played in a bad system. I'm not taking that away. I wonder how the concepts are being coached. Um, the pocket presence to me is a bad thing. And that to me is not just coaching that goes all the way back to college. And that's been a big, big issue for me, because I don't think you can succeed in this league if you can't perform from, from the pocket. I'm signing with John David here who says, wouldn't mind seeing Kenny under, under another OC, but doesn't look like he's the next franchise quarterback. I I'm, I think I've been consistent in saying, I still want to see Kenny under a new offensive coordinator. And I think it's important that in the off season, they find a way if they don't commit to it, there's a difference between exploring it and committing to it. Mm-hmm. I want them to explore a way to get the best out of Kenny Pickett. If they can't find a guy that could get the, get the best out of Kenny Pickett, 
that they're either going to hire that guy and go away from Kenny, or they're going to hire a new guy that can get the best out of Kenny. I think that's important to note here. Um, yeah. As we approach the offseason, which could start in a couple <laughs> of weeks here, we'll find out. Robert says, Chris, Mason. get ready to shave your beard. Mason Rudolph will lead the Steelers Perfect. to the Super Bowl. Man, I'll tell you what, if that happens, I will gladly shave my beard. I will gladly shave it. All now, right, I got to get out of here. I got to go to yeah. work. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, so final thought for me, uh, I did want to bring this up today. Uh, I do think it's a bit of a travesty that Heinz Ward was not made a finalist for the Hall of Fame. Uh, not saying that he should be inducted. I think he's got enough numbers and enough credential to at least be considered. He should be in the conversation. And I do think that if you make him a finalist, at least it gives somebody the op- the opportunity to make a case for him. Not even making him a finalist doesn't even, gi- even give somebody the, the opportunity to make a case for him. He has absolutely done enough with his career numbers, with his overall impact on the game as the best blocking receiver of all time and also being one of eight receivers to win Super Bowl MVP. Those are enough ticks on the resume to at least earn a discussion at the table. Not saying that just because he, he makes, he makes it as a finalist that he should be inducted in, but at least give him the opportunity to be one of those final 15 guys to then have his case presented so that, Let's just see how he actually compares to all of the other the, to the other fourteen finalists. I do think he has earned at least that much, um, and then go from there. But I think it's a, I do think it's a bit of a travesty, and I do think eventually that James Harrison should get the same treatment. Um, I don't think he's quite on the same level as Hines because I think Hines is a little bit more accomplished uh, than than James Harrison is. Uh, but two rings, Super Bowl MVP. Thousand catches, um, yeah. I, I best blocking receiver of all time, uh, yeah. I, I I think that at least earns a discussion at the table. So kind of a, a bit. I was a bit bit disappointed to see he didn't make it as a finalist. This is well said from Jason C. Hines is a Hall of Fame guy. It's crazy he isn't in there. They made a rule about his play on the field. That's true, one hundred percent true. I also think I, I was going to give a similar thought about James, but you pretty much said it. I, I think James Harrison is going to get in eventually. I think he should be in, uh, but obviously we'll have to wait and see on that. Tomorrow we will discuss Steelers Seahawks from an actual X's and O's perspective. We'll actually, we'll actually look at the Seahawks <laughs> for once. We'll look at the playoff scenarios. We'll look at the Seahawks. We'll see where the road could potentially take us uh, in a potential seeding scenario for the postseason. But it all starts with the win. The Steelers have to get one on Sunday. I'm going to go to work. Chris is gonna go. Yeah, do what I'm. He needs I, to do. I'm actually. If you want to hop off, I can't. Like, I'm. I just want to address this last thing because this is just a really interesting topic to me. Mark brings this up. Ward is gonna have to wait because of the wide receiver log jam. The Steelers Hall of Fame fatigue. Woo. Okay, so here here's my my overall overarching opinion on Hall of Fame voting, all this kind of stuff. And this, this and this goes just beyond football. Okay. And I'm going to this and go in the dark for it. It actually frustrates me even more in baseball and the way the Hall of Fame is voted for in baseball because there are certain different uh, variables that are put into play for 
when like when a voter is trying to decide whether or not to vote for somebody, whether it's to be a semifinalist, a finalist, or if it's in baseball, whether you put the check next to their name or not, to me, there should be nothing else considered other than were they a Hall of Fame player or not? Are they worthy of the Hall of Fame or not? In baseball, you have the whole, oh, well, was he a PED user? Was he not? Was he doing it in the steroid era before they made rules about it? Was he not? Or it's just about the really, really dumb one to me. He's not worthy of a first ballot, so I'll vote for him next year. No, it's was he worthy of the Hall of Fame or not? And when it comes to Heinz Ward, like, and when it comes to football, anything like Steelers fatigue or anything like that, it's not the rest of the NFL's fault that the Steelers have had a lot of players that are worthy of the Hall of Fame. Sorry, it's just not their fault that they're one of the most successful franchises since the, the early seventies. It's not their fault. They just are a really, really great franchise and any other franchise. And, and the, the same thing's going to be happening when all these Patriots players are going to uh, be eligible for the hall of fame. Cause that's going to be happening for the next, uh, uh, you know, cause they won six super bowls. They are going to be worthy of those, of those, those discussions too. And people are going to get tired about talking about Patriots and about, you know, I, I don't want to bring up all the names because, my God, I don't even want to go down that road of Patriots teams. But like, but those are going to be worthy discussions, too. Were they worthy Hall of Fame or not? Who they played for should not matter. And I'm not saying that, Mark, like you feel that way or anything like that. I actually agree that, yes, there is going to be reasons like that why Hans Ward is going to get continually pushed, get pushed to the back of the line. Right. And I can't stand that. And it really frustrates me in baseball to see a voter like to me, there's a slam dunk on the voter on, on the ballot this year in baseball. And it's Adrian Beltre. He's one of the greatest third basemen of all time. It should be a unanimous vote, but it's not going to be a unanimous vote because, well, the only unanimous player in baseball history is Mariano Rivera. Well, that that in and of itself is stupid. It's just stupid. Okay. Mariano Rivera is not the only player to deserve a unanimous vote into the Hall of Fame. Roberto Clemente didn't get it. Babe Ruth didn't get it. Hank Aaron didn't get it. Ken Griffey Jr. didn't get it. A lot of baseball players. Jeter, yeah. Jeter, like there's, uh, come on, man. Like Rivera was a great, he's the greatest closer of all time, but come on. Like that's ridiculous. Just because there are certain things that have to happen this way. And like, no, it doesn't. Were they worthy of the Hall of Fame or not? That should be the way it goes. And if I'm ever in the BBW, if I am uh, end up in the BBWA long enough to get that voting uh, opportunity after 10 years of being uh, an active member, that's how I'm going to vote. Were they worthy of it or not? That's all I got to say. My rant's done. Soapbox done. I'm done. <laughs> so are we. So am I. We're on, to the, we're on to Friday. We'll talk Steelers Seahawks Friday afternoon. Steelers need to win. Can they go across the country and get it? We'll soon find out. He's Chris Halleck. I'm Corey Chris at DK and Ramon in about 20 minutes for the Ramon Foster Show. We will talk to you Friday. See everybody. Have a good day.